Bible College Curriculum, June 25. Don't get in a hurry. Reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. And these words which I command you this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when you liest down, and when you rise up. And they shall be as frontless between your eyes. Wow. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 8. One of the reasons Gloria and I, Kenny Copeland says, I have seen the results we have in our lives and in our ministry is because when we realize what the Word of God would do, we literally immerse ourselves in it. We turned off the radio and television, put down the newspaper, and spent nearly every walking moment of the time available either reading the Word, listening to tapes on the Word, or thinking about the Word. All that time in the Word eventually had a powerful effect on us. It began to revolutionize everything about us. It began to turn failures into successes. All that didn't happen overnight. However, it took time. A great many believers don't realize that. They start out devoting themselves to the Word, but they make the mistake of expecting instant miraculous results. And when they don't see them, they get disappointed and fall away. Don't do that. Be patient. Give the word time to do its work. Jesus once said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4 4. The word of God feeds the spirit, man, just as bread feeds the body. Food has to be built into your body. The vitamins and minerals it contains have a cumulative effect on it, don't they? In fact, almost anything that affects your body instantaneously is considered dangerous. Much the same thing is true with the Word of God. It has a cumulative effect. At times, God will act instantly and perform a miracle, but only to get things back on track. What he really intends is for you to feed on his word, to grow in strength and in faith, and to bear fruit in due season. So don't get in such an all-fired hurry. Stay in the word. Be patient. The results will come. Additional reading will be Deuteronomy chapter 7, 11 to 23. Therefore, you must obey all these commands, decrees, and regulations I am giving you today. If you listen to these regulations and faithfully obey them, the Lord your God will keep His covenant of unfailing love with you, as He promised with an oath to your ancestors. He will love you and bless you, and He will give you many children. He will give fertility to your land and your animals. When you arrive in the land he swore to give your ancestors, you will have large harvests of grain, new wine and olive oil, and great herds of cattle, sheep and goats. You will be blessed above all the nations of the earth. None of your men or women will be childish, and all of your livestock will bear young. And the Lord will protect you from all sickness. He will not let you suffer from the terrible diseases you knew in Egypt. 
but he will inflict them on all your enemies. You must destroy all the nations the Lord your God hands over to you. Show them no mercy and do not worship their gods, or they will trap you. Perhaps you will think to yourself, how can we ever conquer these nations that are so much more powerful than we are? But don't be afraid of them. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all the land of Egypt. Remember the great terrors the Lord your God sent against them. You saw it all with your own eyes. And remember the miraculous signs and wonders and the strong hand and powerful arm with which he brought you out of Egypt. The Lord your God will use this same power against all the people you fear. And then the Lord your God will send terror to drive out the few survivors still hiding from you. Do not be afraid of these nations, for the Lord your God is among you, and he is a great and awesome God. The Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you little by little. You will not clear them all away at once. Otherwise, the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. But the Lord your God will hand them over to you. He will throw them into complete confusion until they are destroyed. Amen and amen. Notice that the conquest was to take place a little at a time. God knew that throwing enemies out of the land had to be followed by immediate rebuilding. He would give his people new territory only when they were ready to move in and take advantage of the conquest. We need to recognize that restoration is a long-term process. We should not expect immediate success. Instead, we should look for steady progress. God gives us victories as we are ready to take advantage of them and build on them. We must trust Him to move us forward according to His timing. In Jesus' mighty name. From the Recovery Bible Commentary. June 26, Take a Stand Against Strife by Gloria Copeland. Proverbs 17.14, the Amplified Bible says, the beginning of strife is as when water first trickles from a crack in a dam. Therefore, stop contention before it becomes worse and quarreling breaks out. Throughout the scriptures, God warns us about the dangers of strife, yet it's still one of the most common problems among believers. We let it get into our homes, our workplace, our churches, everywhere. Of course, we don't purposely let it in, we don't wake up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to stir up some major strife today. Huh. We just inadvertently let it slip up on us one minor irritation at a time. So I urge you today to take a big stand against those little opportunities for strife. If you have a tendency to let things irritate you, decide to overcome that tendency. Arm yourself against them with the knowledge that this world isn't perfect that there are people in it who aren't going to be nice to you. There are people who are going to stir you up and annoy you on purpose or by accident. Make up your mind that by the power of God, you're not going to let them get your peace. 
That peace is so important to your well-being. It will keep your body healthy. It will keep your relationships healthy. It will put you in a place where God can guide your steps and save you from some very grave mistakes. If you spend a lifetime getting your feathers ruffled over any little thing, it may take a while for you to break the habit. You may have to work at it a moment at a time, but you can do it. I know I had to do that where worrying is concerned. I worried for so many years and had come from such a family of worriers that I did it almost without thinking. When I learned worrying was contrary to the Word of God, I had to give it up one minute at a time. With the help of the Holy Spirit, every time a worried thought would come to me, I would overcome it with the Word of God. And I did that until I broke that worrying habit for good. You can do the same thing with strife. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you start to notice and overcome it one moment at a time. Then every time you start to get upset about something, rebuke that strife in the name of Jesus and resist it. Say right out loud, I am walking in the peace of God today. Say it with me. I am walking in the peace of God today. One more time. I am walking in the peace of God today. You'll be surprised how much more wonderful living can be. Let's go ahead and go to Matthew 5, chapter 21. Excuse me. Verses 21 to 26 and 43 to 48. You have heard that our ancestors were told, You must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at that altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifices to God. When you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge, who will hand you over to an officer, and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. You have heard the law that says, verse 43, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Note. 
When we love our enemies, we can be sure that we are making progress in restoration. Loving our enemies doesn't mean we have to like them, but it does mean we must forgive them and desire what is best for them. If we harbor anger and bitterness towards others, we hurt only ourselves. Such emotions keep us from making progress in recovery. God loves us when we were still his enemies. See Romans 5.8. He loves us even though we are far from perfect. Restoration is not perfectionism. It is developing the ability to follow God and shape our decisions and actions according to his will for us. And one of the things I suggest is putting a rubber band in your wrist and always stinging yourself every time you subconsciously did something you shouldn't have had. What we want to do is build a good habit and back up a bad habit. For instance, worrying, complaining, criticizing, condemning. You know, you know you shouldn't have done that. You snap yourself. I thank God I messed up. I thank God I'm a... I missed the mark. Missing the mark means misfit. You missed the mark. And you threw, you threw yourself into a, a fit of rage. So we, we, we have to miss the mark to receive success. So we keep on trying, trying to be successful in that area. All right. Let's go ahead and move to our next reading. Thank you. June 27, God's Medicine by Gloria Copeland. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. We've seen some tremendous medical breakthroughs in our generation. We've seen miracle drugs develop that can conquer many kinds of sickness and diseases. But you know, in the 45 plus years I've been a believer... I discovered another much more effective kind of medicine, the Word of God. There's never been a miracle drug that could equal it. God's medicine is the answer to every need. It is life. It is health. It is the power of God. And if you put it in your heart and act on it, you will be healed. Sometimes people ask, if God's medicine works every time, why are there so many believers who are still sick. There are two reasons. Number one, because they don't take the time to plant the word concerning healing deeply into their hearts. And number two, because they don't do what the word tells them to do. Think of it like this. If a doctor prescribes medicine for you to swallow daily and you decide to rub it on your chest instead, that medicine isn't going to work for you. You have to follow the instructions and use it properly if you expect to get well, don't you? In the same way, if you read God's prescription for health and don't act on it, you won't reap any of its benefits. Proverbs 4.22 says, God's words are life and health to you. So don't wait until you get sick to start using them. Start now. Begin to put God's word in your heart in abundance, and it will be hard for you to get sick. The word within you will constantly be keeping God's healing power at work in you. And don't worry. 
There's no limit to the amount of God's medicine you can take. You can't get an overdose. The more you take, the stronger you get. Start growing strong today. Additional reading is Proverbs 4, verses 20 to 27. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Make out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Now, the warning to guard our hearts is also a warning to not give in to the temptation of sinful pleasures of any kind. Indulging in sin is a pleasurable at first, but in the end, its promise is empty and bitter. Sin may satisfy short-term desires, but its consequences are long-term. Returning to our sins may make us feel better for the moment, but it will damage, maybe even undo our progress in the, the transformation process, in the restoration process, in the renewal process. So let, let us give praise and thanksgiving, dive into the Word, memorize Scripture, have Scripture all over the place, hearing it day and night, and putting praise and worship music and getting the word into your heart, write it in your palm of your hand till you memorize it, and fall in love. There's the power in falling in love, in Scripture, and running in faith with God. Amen. I know it's work, folks, but it's well worth it. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father, that are in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, Father. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.